to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Kevin's been talking to you about Colossae, what you understand and what you know is that Colossians is a book or a letter that Paul wrote in the midst of his time in prison. It's it's one of the prison epistles. It's uh, what they call a prison epistle. It's one of the letters. The epistle is basically a letter that Paul wrote to various churches. What we do know is that Colossae is not uh, a church that Paul visited. It's it's actually uh, a church that Paul has ministered to through a fellow by the name of Epaphras, right? His name is Epaphras, and he goes and visits Paul. He goes back to the church, and he ministers to the church. But Paul still has a great deal of insight and a great deal of interest into the church of Colossae. Colossae is kind of at the time that Paul is writing, Colossae, the city, is beginning to diminish a bit in its importance. There's a couple of other cities around that are are developing and they're, they're becoming much more strategic economically. Laodicea being one. Paul recognizes that here in chapter two. He says, listen, I want you to know what a great conflict that I have for you in Colossae, and those in Laodicea. I know Kevin talked about Laodicea the other day. It was a church that that we understand is John, in the book of Revelation, when he was writing the book of Revelation from the island of Patmos, very last book of the Bible, one of the seven churches that he wrote, about was Laodicea. And as Pastor Kevin had talked about, the one thing that Laodicea had was that they were lukewarm. Water's one thing. Have you ever drank lukewarm milk? You know, yuck. That's just, that's, there's nothing good that can come out of drinking lukewarm milk. In fact, (laughs) John says, John says, listen, Here's the thing. Here's what Jesus is saying to you guys there in Laodicea. You're lukewarm, and I, I'm not going to just rehash everything that, that uh, Kevin had shared. But he said, you're lukewarm in your faith. You're lukewarm as a church. Now, this church that he's talking about, John is talking about, has probably embraced and has absorbed these Christians that Paul is talking to in Colossae. These are the people that Paul is writing to in Colossians. He says, here's the thing that you've done. You're neither hot nor are you cold. I wish that you were hot or I wish that you were cold, Jesus said to the church. But because you're neither hot or cold, you make me sick. Now, he didn't say it exactly that way. No, those would be far too harsh of words for Jesus to say, right? Because Jesus is a is a God of love. Actually, he said something even worse. He said, I want to vomit you out of my mouth. What? Jesus can't talk. Can you say vomit in the Bible? 
vomit, spew. If you want to kind of sanitize, you know, puke, it's spew. Okay, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Jesus says, listen, because you're neither hot or cold, I want to, I want to spew you out of my mouth. Does Jesus not love him? No, Jesus loves him. What Jesus is doing is he's trying to get to the heart of the individual, not just the church as a whole, yes, as the church of a whole, but also the heart of the individual. And he's trying to get to your heart and my heart when he says things like this. Where are you? What's your temperature gauge as a Christian today? Are you cold? Are you hot? Where are you? Are you lukewarm? If you're lukewarm, do something. Do something about it. Put yourself on the stove and turn it up and say, Lord, heat me up, man. Make my milk nice and hot. Pour a little chocolate in it and make some nice chocolate, hot chocolate. I love hot chocolate. I love chocolate milk. What I don't like is lukewarm chocolate, anything, you know, milk, milk, whatever. It's just not good. Get it cold, get it hot, but don't do it lukewarm. Don't do life lukewarm. What precipitated or what preceded that seventh church of Asia that Jesus is talking to as Paul or as John is writing it in the book of Revelation, the church of Laodicea. What what preceded John writing about this church is this letter. You understand? This letter was written to them and somewhere along the line, it didn't get, it didn't get caught. Paul He understands what's going on in Colossae and in Laodicea. People are coming in and they're preaching philosophy. They're preaching traditions. They're coming in and they're teaching things that are in addition to Christ. They're saying, if you only had our intellect, you would understand. If you're, you're not, you're not with it if you're not with us. Kind of sounds like our nation right now. Kind of sounds like our communities. How well does your friends, circle of friends, how well do they embrace a Christian who's on fire for, for Christ? How well does your business that you're a part of or your school or, or your family or whatever it is, those that you are around on a day-by-day basis, how do they embrace Christianity? And, and I don't mean just, well, I, I, I wear a cross. I, I, uh, I go to church. No, I'm talking about living out your, your life of Christ, recognizing that the world around you, that you are a part of, that you once were associated with in the manner of which you were 
a member and you are going to die and you are going to go to hell until you realize that Jesus, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for you. He didn't do it for himself. He didn't do it because of punishment. He did it for your punishment and my punishment. The sin that you and I have committed, that's why Jesus died on the cross. He died for you. He died for me. And when you recognized it and when I recognized it, when we recognized it, we we bowed our knee to Christ and we said, man, Lord, apart from you, I am lost. I, I, I'm not going to heaven. Apart from you, I, I'm going to hell. I don't care what everybody else says. I'm going to hell. You recognize that your destiny was leading to hell. Until you found Jesus. And that's what I'm talking about. How well does your circle of friends, your compatriots that you're around, your bosses, or, or not your bosses, but your coworkers, your families, people you find yourself around a lot, if you were to talk to them about Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the way and the truth and the life, and no one is ever going to get into heaven apart from Jesus Christ and him crucified. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, Christianity. Not just talking about just the word. The word is easy. The word's easy. The cross around the neck is easy. The attendance of a church on a Sunday is easy. It's the living out the faith. It's about living out a no-nonsense life before Christ. How do the people around you embrace that? Or do they say, Christianity is okay, but you are overdoing it. You're overdoing it. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't read the Bible. I don't need to. There's too many contradictions in it. I, I, I you know, I'm a Christian, but I, I'm not, I'm not really into this kind of a church that says, that anybody's going to go to hell because my God is a God of love and that's my truth. And my God will never send anybody to hell. God God will never allow anybody to go to hell. Not my God. That's my truth. That's the truth that I believe in. That's the church I want to be a part of. I don't want to talk about sin because you know what? There's too much negativity in this world. So I don't want to talk about negativity because people don't want to talk about negative things. Let's talk about positive things. So if that's the kind of a Christian you want to be, then I'll embrace you. But you know what? This whole thing, one way, Jesus, hell, fire, brimstone, I am done with that. If that's your circle of friends, if that's the people that, that you're around and that's how it is, know this, Paul is talking to you too. And you know what? We all have those people around us. The problem is, is that the culture in this world is affecting the church far more often than the church is infecting the world. And we cower back. I do. You do. We do. Why? Is it fear? I think it's fear of rejection at times. I think it's fear that you don't know enough or I don't know enough. 
I know that he, we were talking about this on Tuesday night with the men and, and, uh, the, uh, one of the things that, that, you know, I know that I had struggled with and have struggled with and still even to this day struggle with. And that is, what if I get into a conversation with somebody and they know more than I do? What if I'm preaching Christ and they know more about it than I do on the negative argument and I can't answer their questions? Will that invalidate me? Will I be looking like a fool? Well, well, I don't want to be embarrassed. Even sometimes, even to the point where I don't ever want to be talked about, talked out of what it is that I know. I, I will say that I'm beyond that right now, I think, that anybody can talk me out of my faith. But you know what? There's a lot of very, very, very smart people out there that can argue and talk and debate me to a point they'll they'll beat me they'll beat me easy it's not hard to beat me that's not what's, that's not what it's about we're not in a competition and that's the thing that the lord has comforted my heart on is hey you're not in a competition so if you don't have an answer just say hey i don't know that's one of the most liberating things that i have had as a christian i, I don't know i don't have the answer i don't know I don't have all the answers. Anybody who says they have all the answers is a liar. They don't have all the answers. Jesus has the answer. But I I don't know everything that Jesus knows. That's my goal. That's your goal. That's our goal is to become more and more like Christ on a day-by-day basis. Hopefully that's our, our, our goal. If not, then we've got the wrong goals out there, right? And so sometimes we don't talk to people because we're afraid that they might know more. Me, I'm thinking, you know, I'm a pastor. If if somebody can totally rip me up in a debate, what does that mean about me? What kind of a pastor are you? Again, I used to really, really, really struggle with that. No, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty easy with saying, Hey, yeah, hey, you got me there. I don't know. I don't have an answer. I know one thing. I know God has an answer. I don't know if Adam had a belly button. Did he? I don't know. Maybe. Probably. I think. Maybe. I mean, does it matter? Really? Kevin was sharing the, you know, the thing this week, you know, and Tuesday night, you know, you know, can God create a rock so big that he can't pick it up? Come on. You said nothing is impossible for God. Can he create a rock big enough? Kevin said, you know, he shared, listen, if I can answer that question, you would become a believer. If I can answer that question, will you become a Christian right here on the spot? Well, no. Well, then you don't really want to know the answer. You just want to argue. But here's the thing. We can get sucked into this world. We can get sucked into the, the, the philosophy and the culture. And, and society's take on Christianity that society's take on Christianity is not Christianity at all. 
it's some watered down Casper milk toast mindset that says there's no change in an individual. There's no sin. There's no consequence. There's no heaven. There's no hell. Or if there is a heaven, everyone's going to go there. And that's not what my Bible teaches. That's not what your Bible, that's not what the Bible teaches that's on your lap right now. That's not what it says. In fact, Jesus, who we say, well, he's a God of love. He'll never send anybody to hell. Au contraire, my friend. I hear Jesus saying, depart from me. I never knew you. Wait a minute. He'll never say that. It's in the word. That's what he says. Jesus says, many, these are his own words. Many will come to me and they'll say, Lord, Lord, didn't I cast out many demons in your name? Didn't I do many mighty things in your name? (coughs) And Jesus says, and then I will declare to them in that day, depart from me, I never knew you, into everlasting punishment. This is the Jesus of love. Do you have a skewed view of who Jesus is? We are in this this day and age where everything is offensive to everyone. And we are walking around on eggshells. We are going to offend ourselves out of being even a country one day. Jesus was very offensive. It's offensive. His word is offensive. His gospel is offensive. Jesus is offensive. When he says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and no one has come into the Father except through me. That's offensive. I don't want to have to go through you. You're saying I can't get to your Father? Yep, that's right. That's exactly what I'm saying. You're not going to get to the Father except through me. We've tried it all. We gave mankind the opportunity to live a life pleasing to the Father and He failed. And then, as if man was saying, well, if you'd only give us rules to live by, then we can do it. Okay, so then we gave Him rules. The Ten Commandments and the others added to it. And guess what? All were guilty under the law. Nobody lived according to the law. And if you break one law, you're guilty of them all. And so then you're going to hell too. Well, (coughs) that's just not fair. It's not fair. This that we live on, this rock in in the universe, is not anything that you built or I built. It came from the very mind of God when he created it. Heavens and earth. This is his. And we do it his way. And he gave us a very simple book to follow. I'm not saying it's it's not hard to follow Christ at times. The choices to follow Christ may may have dire consequences and may be hard to to live out because of the the consequences of living for Christ, but the decisions to follow Christ, the the actual reasons and the 
life and the, the direction to go, regardless of the response of the world. <coughs> the actual essence of the word of God is not hard. But we've made it hard. We are living in a day and an age right now where nothing is your fault. Nothing. There is an answer for your sin. Every bit of your sin. Oh, you have an addictive personality. It's an illness. It's sin. Oh, you, you struggle with, with substances. You have a, a substance abuse problem. You have a, an illness of substance. The Bible calls it sin. You have a, 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 an addiction of, of, you know, you know, being unfaithful to a wife or a husband or maybe you're not even married. You just have an, an inability to, to be pure. And, and so I've got a sexual addiction. It's an illness. No, you've got sin is what you've got. We've all got it. But we have come up in our society with an answer for everything that makes us feel bad. We try to create a pill for it. We try to create a medicine that will slow us down or do something with our minds or something like that to, to, to justify why we do what we do. And, and we buy into it. I, I, I think of, I think of, and I know that this is coming off hard, and I know that this is coming off very brash, and I know that we're living in a country of cush, man. We live in a cushy country, man. We can get anything every, any time. <clears throat> go into a country that you don't have access to everything you have, and go over there and, and, and tell them, I've got, I've got an addiction to substances, and I need some substance. If you can't get it, guess what? You don't have an addiction anymore, do you? Well, we don't have that here. Never had that here. Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to die. No, you, and guess what? You don't. You won't. You're just going to get over it and you're going to go, well, hey, guess they don't have it. So I have to have another addiction to be addicted to. Because I'm addicted to addictions. And, and the thing is, is that why don't we just call it what it is? Because it, we don't like to feel bad. We don't like to feel bad about ourselves. And frankly, I think that that's one of the hardest and worst things that we have done in our country. And I think that the enemy has, not to give him props, but to give him props today, he's made us, not just the world, not just the unbelievers, he's made the church believe, oh, it's somebody else's problem. It's someone else's fault. Where we don't look at our own sin. Or we don't look at our own life and say, I'm going to radically do something about my life today because my life is not right with God. If your life isn't right with God, can you not put it on someone else and let them own your sin? Can I get to a place in my life where it's not anybody else's fault but my own? I, I love that I was... uh waiting on a plane the other day and there's this family that was around and uh 
waiting to get on the plane and and they they had a question they said um we see pilots walk around with these stripes on their shoulders and and some of them have three and some of them have four what does that mean that what what does that mean you know i said well you know the four stripes mean captain and the three stripes mean first officer and 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 the the girl she was probably 23 24 and they had this large family there and and she goes so the captain he's the pilot then right and the other one is is just what a co-pilot or something like that and as an fo that kind of is offensive <laughs> no i fly i don't need him i can do it without him you know no i didn't do that but but i, I said no they're just no, they're both pilots. They're both pilots. Well, well, then who flies? Well, we both fly. Well, how do you know who flies? Well, that's the cool thing is that you kind of get into the airplane and what you do is that you decide at that time, hey, do you want to take the next leg or you want to take the following leg? Do you want to do two flights out and back and then I'll do the next two flights out and back? That's kind of the better way of doing it anyways because you never, if you just take one flight out you always come back to the same hub, and so you're always flying into the same airport. Like me, I would have to fly into Charlotte every single flight that I flew, and I don't. I get to fly to all these different places and everything. So I like to do out and back, and then you do out and back. Then I'll do out and back, and we'll just keep trading off. I'm the, I'm the pilot that's flying the airplane when I'm in control. But the pilot in command is always the captain. He has the four stripes. And she goes, oh, so you both fly. Yeah, as much as either, both of us fly the same amount. We both fly the airplane the same exact amount. Nobody, the the co-pilot is the one who's not flying the airplane at the time. Oh, so then the stripes, they just mean one's a captain, one's an FO. And I said, yeah. And so really we have a, a saying in the industry is that the four stripes stand for, it's all my fault. Okay, that's whose fault it is. It's the captain's fault if anything happens on the airplane. And so it's kind of cool to be an FO because I get all the luxury and I don't have to have any of the responsibility. It's cool. But here, here, here's the thing. He has to own it. Do, do you think that if he messes up and our management comes to him and says, hey, you blew it. If he goes... I had an illness. I had an addiction to not hitting the runway. I had an addiction to not landing correctly. I had an addiction to putting the gear down. (laughs) No, you know, whatever the thing is, who's going to buy that? Nobody. We don't buy it in any other aspect of our society. Why do we buy it when it comes to our behaviors? Because we don't like to feel bad about ourselves. And that's what we're buying into. The church is buying into it. There's the largest church in America that doesn't talk about sin and doesn't talk about hell because it makes people feel bad. I think, what a travesty. If I had one of the Bibles up here that would shock you, I would shock you today. I'd grab one of those Bibles and go... And I've done this and I've gotten some backlash on it and so I have a hard time doing it anymore. But what what I do is I sit there and I pick up the Bible and I go, let's pull that page out. Because we don't want to listen to that page. That page doesn't fit 
with what I want to believe. But that's exactly what we're doing when we adopt the world's principles into the church. You understand what I'm saying? And so here's the thing. I know this is a hard message, but this is what Paul's trying to get to the church of Colossae about. He's going, there are intellectuals that are coming in. There's the academic mind that's coming in that's saying, okay, it's okay to be a Christian, but you got to do it this way. And that's exactly what we're living in right now. Paul, look at now, now that you have that little backstory, listen, I want you to know what a great conflict that I have, Paul says, that I have for you and those that are in Laodicea. For as many, and for as many who have not seen my face in the flesh. You see, he's never been there. He's only talked to Epaphras about the believers that are in that church. So it had nothing to do with Pastor Paul being their pastor. It had to do with truth, right? It just had to do with truth. It wasn't a, it wasn't according to a man and his presence. It was about the truth. I mean, this is evident in, in my life and, and this kind of a thing kind of lightens up in my life because I'm going, I'm not, I'm a past, I'm the pastor of this church. I'm one of the two pastors of this church. And the thing is, is I'm not there. Man, can they do it without me? Yeah. You know what? You don't need me. You just need Jesus. That's what you need. You need the word of God. It's not me and it's not Kevin. It's the word of God. And Paul says, I, I know I have this great conflict, even for all of you that I've not even seen, you've never even seen my face. That the hearts, your hearts would be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What's he saying? He's saying this. You want to know the answers to life? It's found in the Lord. It's found in his word. It's found in Jesus Christ. That's where it is. Those are the answers. Not what the world wants you to believe, not what the world wants you to adopt as a Christian so that we'll accept you to be, accept you into our clique in this society as being a Christian. Because that's exactly what the world is wanting to do. They're wanting you to change. They're wanting me to change. They're wanting us to change to become more like them so that they'll accept us into their clique. And that's never been the MO of Jesus Christ. That has never been the MO of God. To adopt the principles of the world. It's that the world needs to change its principles. The world needs to change its mind. The world needs to change its heart towards God. There is light and there is dark. There is Christ and there is not. There is no middle ground. And the thing is, there is a heaven and there is a hell. You will be in one of those places and adopting a soft, non-confrontational, non-literal look at God's word is not going to send you to heaven, man. When you rip the heart and the guts out of the word of God, I don't have to teach about the death and resurrection. That's a negative thing. I don't have to teach that. If people want to know that, they can go to another church, but I don't have to preach that. And I don't think that God's ever going to get down on me for that. I think that that is a ravenous wolf. 
in a large congregation of a nation of people who call themselves Christians that have adapted the world's philosophy in order to feel good in the world and feel good in the church. I'm going to have the best of the world and I'm going to have the best of heaven. Hoo-hoo, I get it all. I found the way. When in all actuality, maybe you haven't at all. You can dress up a pig in Sunday school bests and bring that pig in here. And, and, and they can look the part of being one of us, a Christian. But a pig's a pig. No matter how you dress them. It, it, are you a Christian? I mean, this is a challenge to you. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the church of Colossae. And it's a, it's a letter that he wrote to you and I. Paul says, I have this great battle going on in my heart for you guys. Because I know it's hard. And I know how enticing the world can be. And I know how much you want to be a part of the world. And I know how, how you came out of it. It's what you knew. It's what you know. It's what you felt comfortable in. But when you came to the knowledge that the world isn't going to save you, you came out, you stepped out of it, and you stepped into Christ, something changed in your life. Don't fall back into the world because that's where you find your comfort. Find your comfort, a new comfort in Christ. And for those that are coming in and saying, oh, don't have to read that part of the Bible. Oh, you don't have to believe that part of what Jesus says. Oh, you don't have to adapt that part into your Christian life. If you want to be a part of us, you won't, by the way. And if you do adapt those things, well, then we're going to just go, oh, yeah, that person became a Bible-thumping Jesus freak. They're weird. People thought Jesus was weird. Think people think Jesus is weird on Judgment Day? I don't think so. I think people are going to fall down at his feet and say, Oh, Lord, did I not do a lot of things in your name? And he's going to say, Depart from me. I never knew you. We never had a relationship. That's a sad part. There's a lot of imposters that are standing behind these wooden things called pulpits. Making people feel really good on their way to hell. And when they get there, they're going to go, I've been ripped off. Here's the thing. There's a lot of people that are going to go, hey, wait a minute. I've been ripped off. I went to church every single Sunday. I went and I did this and I stood and I sang and I had these warm, fuzzy feelings. And you know what? If those were all the the parameters and if those were all the, the distinguishers of being a Christian, well, then you would be saved. But you know what? Those aren't the distinguishers. Those aren't the parameters of being a Christian. You know what is? It's Jesus Christ on the cross who died in on your in your place. Jesus Christ and him crucified and resurrected from the dead. God in human flesh becoming a man to die in your place. And there is no other way. You can't escape hell apart from that. That's it. And none of your friends and none of your family and none of your co-workers and nobody else that you know in this world is ever going to escape that fact because this is Jesus' plan. The gospel is that everybody... Gospel, we know. Gospel, good news, right? Gospel means good news. The gospel is good news if you understand the bad news. The bad news is that 
all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. It's negative. I'm sorry, but I'm not. Because that's what the word of God says. I would not be a pastor, a a, a pastor worth anything. Kevin wouldn't be a pastor worth anything if we didn't say these things. The wages of sin is death and separation from God for all eternity. That's it. You're dead. You're done. You're going to go to hell. You and I are destined for hell. Oh, but wait a minute. The good news is that God sent his son to die in your place. And he died a, a ruthless death upon a cross. And he rose again three days later for you. There's only one way to heaven, and it's through that death and resurrection. I acknowledge my sin. You acknowledge your sin. I acknowledge that I can't get to heaven on my own merits through a medicine that the world comes up with. I can't get to heaven that way. But that's what the, that's what the world is wanting you to believe, and that's even what the church is beginning to try to influence you to do. Uh, this, I know I finished here. Look, this is totally understandable now when you read what Paul is saying. In Christ and in the Father are all the treasures in in those two. It, it are hidden all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge. Verse four. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Okay? For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I'm with you in the spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. You know what he's saying? I want you to stand strong in Christ. Not in what these people with persuasive words are coming in here trying to deceive you with. They're trying to to come in here and say, Jesus, okay, it's it's fine if you want to be a Christian, but you've got to adopt our way of living. And Paul's going, don't buy into it, man. Oh, but they're saying, you know, I mean, hey, if he really is a God of love, why would he, how would he? No, that's not, that's not the God I want to serve. I don't want to serve some egotistical, narcissistic kind of God that has to have all the worship for him. You want to know why God demands our worship? Why God is jealous for, for his glory, for glory towards him, that we worship him and him only? Hopefully this will answer your question for the rest of your life. It's because he knows that if we don't have someone to worship, we're going to worship something or someone. And there is not one other thing in this universe that's worthy of our worship. There is not one that will not let us down. And God will never let you down. When you place your your worship, you glory in the Lord, he's not going to let you down. He might not do the things that you want him to do. The one thing you'll always have a knowledge of is that he's doing it right. Even though you might not have all the insight. And man, I know there's some in this room that have gone through some really tough times and had some pretty hard times of life. But here's the thing. God was there and God has a plan through it all. And God's going to use you and God's going to use it. And God's going to, if it was me, I wouldn't have had you go through it. But frankly, I don't know that I would have died for you either. (laughs) I don't know that I would have taken the public shame and the ridicule for you. 
Especially knowing that most would not even accept what it is that I did for him. I, I don't know that I'd do that, but he did. This I say, Paul says, I want you, I want to rejoice to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Stand strong in Christ. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Don't walk according to what the world says you're supposed to walk like. Walk in Jesus the way that, look, he tells you to walk. If your nose isn't in this, how are you going to know what it is that God wants you to do? If you don't read this, how are you ever going to know what God wants you to do? How are you going to know his heart if you're not in this? You got to be in this. I got to be in this. We have got to be in this word so we know. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. What's, what happens if you walk in him? You'll be, verse 7, rooted and built up in him. Your roots are going to go deep into Christ. When the strong winds come, they might blow you, but your roots are down deep and you're not going anywhere. Because you're attached to Christ, you're firmly planted in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty words or empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of this world and not according to Christ. That's what our message has been on today, hasn't it? For in him, in who? In Christ. Listen, Christian. Listen, struggling believer. Listen, person who doesn't have a relationship with Christ yet. If you want to know the answer, I'm going to give it to you right now. For in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In him dwells God. Theotes. The fullness of God is in Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Christ. And Paul finishes off. He says, and you, Christian, take comfort in these words, please. You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You're complete in Christ. You don't need any more. You don't need a pill. You don't need a therapist. You don't, I mean, I'm not saying to, to stop taking pills, to stop ever going to a therapist and what have you. You know what? There is a, there's a need for that in time, at times. There's, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But what I am wanting to throw out is the, this whole embracing mindset of everyone needs this. Everyone, that's the norm is that everyone needs to be on a medication. Everyone needs to have, you know, a therapist or everyone needs to adopt this kind of a principle that says, hey, you know what? It's not, look yourself in the mirror and say, it's not your fault. Listen, if it's your fault, Be honest with yourself. Look in the mirror and say, hey, dude, you got to grow up. 
God, I'm looking at myself and me on my own. I'm blowing it. God, I need your help. I don't want to continue to blow it. I confess of my sin. I repent of my sin. Repent means turn around and walk the other way. But don't let these persuasive people come in. These words, persuasive, the word is, is literally means it's, it's speech that's adapted to lead others astray. To lead others towards their way. But here's the thing. That's the world to you, man. It will teach you and it'll say so enticing, so many enticing things to you that, man, you just, you aren't going to be a part of the it crowd unless you adopt these things. Unless you take on our way of thinking. Unless you become a part of us and the way that we think. Oh, we don't think Christians, however it is that they think. We, we don't think Christians should be this. If religion is a personal thing, you should keep it to yourself. Okay. I'm sorry, Jesus. I know you said go into all the world and all the nations and preach to them. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, you didn't understand our culture. Our culture thinks it's a personal thing and we shouldn't do that. Jesus says you need to go into the highways and the byways. We need to go and talk to people about Christ. They're going to hell. Satan wants to shut your mouth and Satan controls the world. Why would we ever want to adopt the principles of the world if it's being run by Satan himself? Paul was just saying, guys, I don't want you to fall away. And I finished with this. They did. Paul ended up, or Paul, he did what he could do. He cried out and he says, guys, Colossae, Laodicea, please don't fall into this trap. And Jesus ends up saying, you guys are neither cold nor are you hot, but you're lukewarm. You bought in. You make me sick. I want to vomit you out of my mouth. You've stopped being who it is that I called you to be. Gang, let's be the men and the women that God's called us to be. Unabashedly, unashamed Christians that love Jesus. Let's tell people about him. People are going to hell. If they die apart from Christ, they're in hell. There's nothing you can, you can't pray them out. They're there. They're done. Let's be Christians. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.